All right, guys, I can't believe it. We're in season two. If you stuck with us and listened to season one and you're actually here for more, thank you. We can't believe that because we are really enjoying rambling. I am Dr. Callie Hale. And I'm Dr. Kyle Hale. And I am Rambler in Chief, just in case (laughs) anyone was wondering. I know. Yeah. But we're so excited to be back and talking more. It's been a few weeks since he and I have recorded as we were finishing up season one. And I reminded him that one of my big soapboxes and one of my big rants is the difference in airway centered dentistry and traditional orthodontics or cosmetic orthodontics. And I think it's about time that we got to rant about that and talk about how to do phase one with systemic health in mind and sleep in mind. Yes. So AKA do it right. Do it right. Right for the patient, <laughs> not right for you because it's the fewer, the, the fewest number of appointments in your chair. Oh, mm-hmm. Kyle. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Guys, I feel like we should have like a big disclaimer on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the disclaimer? I'm right. The disclaimer is, no. Oh, you're right. Is a lot of people want to know my honest, unfiltered, raw opinion. And they usually get it when it's one-on-one in the dental chair. Or if I'm on stage showing before and after expansion. So... Now you guys can have it too. And please don't figure out where I live and stalk me and try to hurt me after we talk. About this. <laughs> well, I think what you're going to talk about is years of experience across hundreds of cases in Lee city, Texas. And what that is, is anecdotal. Totally anecdotal. So, but what is an anecdote? I have a friend, my friend, good friend, Alistair McDonald would call it an anecdote early evidence i love that and so well i can't even take it as early i mean it is early evidence like for me personally but the people i learned it from have been doing it longer than i've even been practicing so this is not new and how how shameful is that totally like we're, we're, oh, yeah, but don't we're even, 50 years into early evidence. oh gosh well an article that i just wrote i say we've been doing it wrong for a century but you just have to be careful because i start writing stuff like that and then little little things get picked apart. And I think I do have a lot of grace and patience and care about all of my wonderful colleagues that, you know, a lot of us do ortho, right? But there really truly is a difference in my education with what we can do with my functional therapy, tongue ties, tongue positioning, um, expansion, but it has to do with why is it different? Why are we different? Why are the airway dentists in our group, how are they doing things dif- differently? And why are people coming to see me from out of state, for goodness sake? And like the, we had a family today that drove in from San Angelo, which is seven plus hours, yeah. because our, our, these parents just want their kid taken care of, period. They don't want what we've always done. You always do what you always did. You're always going to get what you always got. And we have a we have a population that is absolutely plagued with sleep disorder breathing, underdeveloped arches, and we could we could have made a huge difference in years in my generation had our ortho been done right, and it wasn't. And but we're like seven generations in of you know underdeveloped arches and damage. So my goals just for my patients that are listening, if I take on care with your child is that your child is a fully formed upper lower jaw room for all 32 teeth. We usually say 28 teeth, but if we can get the wisdom teeth into, I will be so happy. I never guarantee that obviously, but the earlier you start, the better. And we just have to do better. It's time to start doing it right. 
And it's time to start talking about it loud enough that we make people upset because I'm sure this episode is going to make people upset because when we started doing this, I didn't, I, I danced around the topic of like bicuspid extraction and mandibular expansion. And I was really, I really had a lot of like, oh, well, I know it's probably just like all they knew how to do. And then as you and I were talking about on the teaser, listening to how much evidence we have, the century of evidence that we have in the anthropology studies and all the stuff that we already should be doing, I don't really have any patience for us doing it wrong anymore. And I found out last week a patient of ours here had their bicuspids extracted by an orthodontist in an adjacent city, very close to us. And livid doesn't even cover the emotions that I felt because this was a very simple case. I went back and reviewed it. They, anyways, it, very upsetting to me. So we we just have to stop doing it wrong and start doing it right and make sure that these parents and these kids have all the information they need to make the best decision for that child. Okay, that's it. Um, well, see, <laughs> no, I'm not done. So I, um, I'm a huge fan of this because, and this being the being noisy about something, because what is the best chance of any anyone else in dental school hearing about any kind of any form of orthodontic prevention, which when I say orthodontic prevention, I'm talking about things leading up to you having uh, being an adult with all your teeth, because I believe 99.9% of orthodontics, 99.9% of metal brackets, 99.9% of plastic going on teeth with composite buttons are cosmetic only. And the outcome is cosmetic driven and the patient is sold for a cosmetic reason. So if you're, if you're doing cosmetic ortho, you're, you're, you're doing your patient's chief complaint. I don't think you're doing any harm to anybody because if, unless you've, unless no, you've seen I this I don't info, care what you do as an adult. Now you're getting me fired up again. I completely agree with you. But I'm, 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 I'm speaking to the dentist. The dentist is out there. This is yes. just like us finding out right. something like you, you find out you're not supposed to be using this material because it's causing harm to your patient. You stop using the material. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't, you don't go find, you don't say, well, I've used it for 30 years. It's been fired in my hands when half your patients. No, well, that's what they're going to say. That's but... so stupid. But, um, <laughs> You know, dentists are dentists are you know beautifully dumb in that regard. Is that they will do something for a long time and think that it works when you know usually that it's worked by geographic relocation. That's your success measure because the patient didn't come there anymore. Right. So, um, and and I have good evidence for that on the practice analytic side because attrition in a dental office is much higher than people think it is. So, that's uh, so true. Because you can look well, at you guys don't know what that means is like from the from, how uh, long will a patient come see you? Right. You know, how many years will they be coming back to your office? Uh, less than 60% will be there in three years. And in, in most dental practices, that's the turnover. So you think your feelings are lasting 25 years because you've you seen that patient know? from 22 years ago? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now you're, you're, anyways. I do have people that have come to see me for more than those years in a row. And I know that my dad did too. But oh, we're just yeah. talking in a general sense. We're talking generally. So, right. And because um, I don't want anyone that, that hears this to think I'm just going to turn this off right now. Ooh, <laughs> we are going to have to bleep him. 
<laughs> well, you're, no, exactly. Turn because this because stuff off oh, right I've now. already done this. Like everybody's fine. What is? What are they talking about? Yeah. But the fact is, is we don't know that these patients are fine, and those patients aren't going back to you to find out that they're not fine. They're ending up in my chair, okay, mm-hmm. or a sleep physician's chair, or they've had a heart attack. Well, what happens is it gets they do their cosmetic orthodontics, and then they get diagnosed with some kind of TMD. sleep disorder, right? And, and then, they're not connected. And then them. they start right. grinding their teeth. Right. This is the life cycle, and it's a beautiful circle. Is you you have underdeveloped arches, you turn into an adult, and it starts increasing your risk for cardiovascular disease or stroke or something real that's touchable. And you're bruxing in there somewhere. And then you start grinding your teeth because we know that bruxism is a protective mechanism uh, for patients with OSA. Right. um, Because patients who don't have OSA don't grind their teeth. And so um, the, that, that, that circle is teeth destruction. Okay. Now we're going to make it worse by putting an oral appliance in like a night guard. It's just going to take up that room for those mouth breathers. And also, yeah. And then, yeah, the night guard discussion is like a could be a whole different topic on its own. But I tell all the dentists that I'm training, I'm like, if you have a Bruxer, do not go collect that six hundred dollars for an acrylic night guard until you've done a sleep study first. Because you show me a Bruxer, I'm going to show you somebody with sleep apnea every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Literally, we have never not caught sleep apnea in somebody who grinds your teeth ever. Of course, that's anecdotal slash Uh-oh. early evidence because it's just me, right? But I'm just saying, like, we just, at what point are we going to stop pretending like our head is not connected to the rest of us? That that whatever you guys put in their mouth, whatever kind of ortho you do, whatever kind of appliances you, you can't put that in their mouth and think that it's not going to affect them down the line. That's what's different here. That's what's different with yes. your mentors and the other doctors doing airway-centered orthodontics is the orthodontic or expansion orthodontics, expansion orthodontics says we want the teeth to be further away from the throat, not closer to it, right? You want, you want forward movement of the teeth. Yeah. And yeah, there was an orthodontist speaking at the convention we went to two weeks ago. He was from like the North Seattle area, uh, in Washington. And he talked about the headgear effect and that, that pull effect of pulling everything back, being retractive, which is what I had backwards. Yep. Uh, being damaging and he lost his faculty position in his uh he was faculty in a residency he lost that position because of his because he stood up he, for what was right right because he says hey i'm seeing this and it's leading to this and so we should stop doing headgear we should just eliminate headgear and anything that's and they causing fired headgear and, and they, they fired said, him. said later yeah so i'm telling you guys when you when y'all all ask me in the chair why are we not all doing this and i say politics i truly mean politics at the highest level of orthodontic training Mm -hmm. Now I did have, I have so many, I mean, I know a lot of orthodontists that do airway the right way, like adult expansion. And they went through the Vivos training and they're the best, most open-minded. I would refer to them any day. And I had one come up to me one time after he hadn't been trained in it yet, but he was absolutely in his seventies. And he listened to me at the summit in Denver and he came up to me afterwards and he, it was, he was just like, I didn't know he was an orthodontist at the time. I had a bunch of people that ran up and wanted to ask me questions. And he just said, what do you mean you're expanding the lower? And I was like, yeah, it's a tooth borne expander. And, and, and he, I was just getting, I was getting like, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. And, and I, and he, where does it sit? And I said, well, it's tooth borne. It's on the 
permanent first molars and it goes around the link. And, and I finally just realized like, it was like we were speaking two different languages. And I said, do you want me to show you a picture of it? And he was like, yeah. And so I Googled a picture of it on my phone really quick and it just popped up. I mean, you go to any ortho labs websites and you'll see like, and he pulled his iPhone out and took a picture of my phone. <laughs> and I was, and then later, I, later I found out, you know, that he, his, he'd spent his whole career doing ortho and he was the sweetest guy. I mean, it's just what was never presented to him to unravel that severe of crowding. So there's a lot you can do if the arches are semi-developed well, but when, when you guys see some of the cases I have where you would look at it and feel like there's no chance they would ever be normal. Like mm -hmm. their teeth are so bad they would never be normal. But if you don't have the lower in your toolkit, then you're never going to be able to do it without extracting teeth. And so when we get back to the bicuspid extraction situation, I like I'm I am so angry about it because now having seen the kids that we've saved from that, we have to stop acting like our teeth are accessory bones. Like we we can't we can't just be like, yeah, we're just gonna pop those out of there. You don't need them anyway. And just and the parents don't know. That is the problem, is the parents literally I mean, we're the expert, right? We yeah. that worth it on they're paying six thousand dollars for braces. Whatever you say, you're the expert. Now the thing is I have plenty of patients that they wouldn't just take that first consult and go with it, right? But for the ones that do, it just kills me because there's no we don't ever have to do that. You also don't ever need to do IPR. Now I'm talking your traditional underdeveloped class two, class one. I'm not talking about not doing IPR in a class three surgical. You guys are gonna find something in this to tell me why I'm crazy, but I'm not. I'm talking about retractive ortho. We cannot be doing, <laughs> yeah, I saw your I face. Like I'm not crazy. Not gonna... hmm. We have to stop doing retractive ortho. When they took, I had headgear and a lip bumper. So in the nineties, I had a band on each molar and a big old metal wire that went around my front teeth. And I had a lip and a and headgear. So they were getting my lip off of my teeth in the front to help my lowers come forward. And there are pictures of me, even Kyle won't see. And we've been together since I was 15 years old. So I had crazy amount of ortho. And when they took it off, my teeth weren't straight. The orthodontist was upset because my parents told him he couldn't take out my bicuspids on top. So I'm so thankful they didn't do that. And they even say, we don't know why. We just didn't want you to lose your teeth. So we just told him no. So I was 14 and I got my braces off and my front teeth weren't straight. It was a really not a fun day, especially with all the headgear and everything I had done. But I had developed clicking. So I had a, a I just said clicking my right condyle. And a very simple, just reducing this displacement. And I, when I was in dental school, they were like, oh yeah, I mean, does it hurt? I'm like, no. They're like, well, you're one of the lucky ones. There's nothing you can do about it. And that was just what I was, that's literally the extent of the TMD information I got from my own joint. Well, you click, that's what it is. So then I, when I was in dental school, I went back into braces in the ortho residency program, a really awesome orthodontic resident did it for me, but I still didn't know anything. And I let them do an approximal reduction, which is IPR, which is removal of enamel in between the teeth to allow more retraction. Okay. So if the teeth are too big and they don't fit because your arches are not wide enough, we're going to have to do things to make things fit, right? And so they did it all across my front teeth, upper and lower. I actually had forgotten how many places I had it until I did my own expansion. And then I started seeing a little bit of spacing. But I did that and got my tongue tie fixed by the amazing Dr. Rachel Garrett. And my clicking went away. It's crazy. So 
you can. And I had the funny, a lot of my airway colleagues were like, yeah, man, just expand and you're clicking away. And I'm like, what should we get like get a billboard? Does your jaw click? Now, I, of course, I don't promise everybody I'm going to cure your clicking when you, when you do expansion. But it was like crazy for me being, being young. I'm still young. I'm in thirties, even though I turned 37 yesterday, um, that we really could fix that. Otherwise I would have just stuck with what I had and not known any different. So it's nice to not have that jaw problem. So, so those are the kind of things that where we just have to, we just have to realize that you should get a second opinion. Even if you come and see me and you're, and you think you have more questions, you want go get a second opinion. Like don't take the first one. If you're not really confident in that provider, because I mean, I talked with a, with a mom who was literally just sobbing because the bicuspids had just free, just freshly been removed. And that's a hard conversation. I mean, we can fix it, but we're probably putting implants in those spaces where they had teeth, mm-hmm. you know, and it just broke my heart for her. And so we just have to do things differently because we, we don't have a healthy society. So the idea that we can just keep doing what we're doing really doesn't work anymore anyway. And that can be in any facet of medicine, health, nutrition, food, all of that. So I don't want to hear anymore the old guys saying like, oh no, we're just fine. We'll just keep putting in an amalgam or we'll just, it's just fine. It's fine. Like it's not fine because we're not healthy and our kids aren't healthy and our kids are massively medicated and we need to stop medicating them because they're tired. Yeah. Right. So that's the difference. And when you come and see us in one of our locations, that's what you're getting. And for any parents listening to this, any dentist listening to this, it is such a fun part of dentistry to do this. So you should do it and you should screen for it and then she'd fix it correctly. Yeah. So when you're talking about fixing it and I did give you a hard time in front of um, Dr. Simmons and Dr. Ron at the meeting we had a couple of weeks ago <laughs> because um, they've been doing this for a lot longer than you have and they are uh, physicians doing this. And I, I try to find a way to help you feel better because any, any case you have, that does not, you know, you don't hit it out of the park. <laughs> you, you literally will sob, like not sob, but you will, it'll get you down. Your day will kind of be in a, have a cloud over it. And, and you really take all those things personally. That is one of the best character traits about you is your lion heart. You know, I believe that. And, and so one thing that I think is, is different is that you're getting out of the dentist's and you're getting into that part of healthcare that is more variable with its outcomes because we yeah, cannot so control it was hard. It was a hard thing to anything the patient does when they leave. And so we know that the, we know the method works. It doesn't work perfectly for everyone or for, for anyone, you know, but so everyone is going to fall onto a bell curve probably. Um, but what really helps are parents who are, really excited for the outcome too. And this is not a, you start this on a 12 year old. It took 12 years to get that bad or to that, that phase. And now they're, you know, they're on stimulants in the form of, you know, methamphetamines for their ADHD. And, and so you're going to try to help expand. You're going to try to help work with their physician to, you know, make sure that they're still on the right medication. And, um, that doesn't always happen, right? but it does a lot of the time, you know, and I think having, having 
being able to take any kid off of medication, being able to take any kid from bedwetting to not bedwetting, being able to take any kid from it's all it's a win. I know you're right. It is the win. I know. And I'll tell you what, guys. For for I think I don't know. I don't think we've gone a single month where we haven't had some crazy huge win in the office on the patient side, you know, know, like, no, you're right. A mom comes in, brings, you know, three boxes of Shipley's donuts and says, my kid has been in the same school for, for two consecutive semesters. Thank you, Callie Hale. (laughs) And then the next day, some kids expanders popped off five times because they eat rocks for breakfast apparently. (laughs) And, and it's a frustrated parent, which we understand, but now, now it's we're on to the most recent painful memory. We're not on to the And I think that's how dentists win. naturally work. That is and a that's, dentist. We should probably talk more about that. You probably had more exposure to that and helpful tips and stuff to share with people because of your relationship with Alistair and what you've learned in Mark's group. But it was with for me when I was finishing the mastery series, there was this one doctor, I don't remember his name talking about this is through the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, who was talking about how dentists are we have these like super unrealistic expectations for the sleep cases, which I did just post a video. I don't know if you saw it yet on my airway center dentistry page, talking about setting patient expectations and what it's like for us on our level. Um, but it, in that he talked about how, you know, we're trained to like, you know, quarter of millimeter measurements, like the neurotic, Oh, my gum is a little higher right here that, you know, like we, we, we're like trained to everything has to be perfect. You know, your crown margins have to seat perfectly every time. You would never glue one on if it wasn't perfect. Your fillings take x-rays. And your fillings, to make sure you take perfect. x-rays. Right. And so we're, we aren't, we aren't used to, I mean, the dentists that care anyway, aren't used to, what do you mean my filling fell out? My fillings don't fall out. My fillings don't fall out. But I'm just like, my fillings don't fall out. Like what? <laughs> And then, and then if a little kid's filling popped out that I did or something, I was like, well, that's not normal. No, wait, but with sleep medicine, it's different. You're not going to get everybody's apnea hypopnea index to zero. You're absolutely not. So if you're going into it, expecting that, like get ready for disappointment. Mm-hmm. But that was hard for me because I don't think in my original training that I was really set up for that. Right. Like, so, so I'm looking at all these numbers going, what am I doing wrong? And then when I finally realized that with oral appliance therapy, the ADSM tries to give dentists like some some generalized guidelines. Like if you can get the AHI dropped in half with an oral appliance therapy, like pat yourself on the back. That's huge. But again, it also it always depends on how high it was when you started. So, or the goal is get it below five. And even even the doctors training on that laugh. They're like, okay, good luck getting everybody below five with a mandibular advancement device. So hearing that for me was so critical and essential that I've I've instilled it now in as many of the doctors that I mentor as possible because it's a you you leave with you you see these sleep studies or the titrations and if they're not zero or like you're you're sitting there going oh my gosh like I failed and no you didn't like I implore a lot of you the next titration study you do look at the ODI and look at the lowest oxygen like what you're going to see is oh well they never drop below ninety five that's amazing they they were never in that you know anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so the the I think the point I was trying to make is we're talking about here cosmetic orthodontics not being you know traditional or not orthodontics synonymous with cosmetic orthodontics today, and and the need for expansion orthodontics to take 
you know, a majority of the, uh, to, to be what we're doing. And, but anyone getting into expansion orthodontics is not in for a world of easy sailing. They're just oh my gosh, like in, in a world where we have nine associates, <laughs> oh you know, half of so them are hard. doing airway centered <laughs> orthodontics or expansion orthodontics, right. you being the, you know, the chief, um, there, this is the patient expectations are everything in ortho, everything in cosmetic, anything. And so, cause you're trying to tell the patient what it's going to look like in the end. And when you're trying to talk to an an expansion patient, an airway patient, someone coming in symptom based and their dentist or their uh, physician has said, go get an MAD or go talk your, to your dentist about this. Now the pressure's really on. And I think this is, this is what's going to be, I'm going to rub my crystal ball. Where's my crystal ball? I'm gonna rub it. And I want to say that this is what's going to prevent dentists from doing airway is the early failures and the feeling like it's an overwhelming failure Absolutely, because they'll do, they'll do 150 fillings in a month. They'll do, they'll do 75 crowns in a month. And two years later, when they see the exact same patient, those, that crown and those fillings are going to look the exact same. And the patient's not going to remember having the procedure. Their patient's not going to remember that it had any bad memories at all, but you will still be in treatment if you're in expansion orthodontics at two right. years. So, well, not always, not, but, not always, but you'll definitely you, within a year. Definitely I mean, definitely within, within a, year. a year. And so, yeah, for sure. And so I think we do need to at some point have like a kind of a bonus episode or a side talk about setting patient expectations, because I, like I said, I did that Instagram video on it and I got a lot of feedback from that. Like, I'm so glad you're talking about this because we're all, we all show our wins all the time yeah. and we show, and, and what I was talking about was, a, it was not my patient, but somebody did a blog post about how expansion didn't cure their sleep apnea. And, um, it was this whole big kind of, everything was in a negative light. And so I talked about what it was like for me to hear that blog post. It unfortunately checked my phone at five o'clock in the morning. So it was the first thing I started my day with and my own personal, um, tabulation of of that emotion when I was driving to work. And so I finally just put our amazing for we in a room and I was like, I got to talk about this. And we recorded that a while back. We recorded that when I, right after I did my tongue uh, phrenectomy actually. So three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. And we finally got it edited and, and put on. And it, it just came at the right time, I think, because a lot of people have even even patients w- that saw it DM'd me and said, nobody expects all this to be perfect. Like, thank you for just doing this, you yeah. know? And that's not something that I think my personality naturally is. If I have one failure, then they all failed, yeah. right? And it was just dumb. I know that's not true. I don't, I don't need hugs and kisses. Like, I, I know that. But it's just something that I internalize because I want everything to be so incredibly successful for my patients. Um, but that just comes with a, that comes with its own challenges for me, you know, personally. So that's the dentist. And I, I really think the reason it has taken so long is probably because of this. Like how, why is this not catching on? Because it's not easy. What's easy is pull it, pull so many teeth that you make it hard to mess up the ortho. That's what's easy. Pull four teeth and be like, Oh my gosh, I worked so hard. You know, no, no one sees the orthodontist when they go to the orthodontist anymore for their checkup. I see the assistant. Why? Because easy. Well, don't even get me started on the assistant that took the brackets off and the glue off of my, one of my patient's teeth and took half the enamel with it. <sighs> Looked like a veneer prep. Ugh. I had to call the mom and I said, look, I don't know what happened. And she was, well, they wouldn't let me back there. So I don't know who took them off. And I'm like, well, well 
That could be anyone, Dennis, or they're not out there to win. We found out it was their assistant, but (laughs) so I think we'll wrap this up, but um, I think it's an important soapbox and I, the soapbox being the need for expansion orthodontics over cosmetic orthodontics. And if you're a dentist doing cosmetic orthodontics, because that's what your patients want, dude, no, no foul. Literally, I with especially with adults. I'm gonna. Yeah. I will agree with. I will agree with what he said when you're talking about adults. Well, a kid does not knock on your door at seven years old and said, "I really want straight no, teeth for my you, beauty pen." Kyle, people, please tell me it's not true. Absolutely, we are doing things sometimes early incorrectly we're doing things early incorrectly 100 percent, we are but i'm just saying like what what and i will agree with you whatever the whatever you want to do as an adult i literally don't care like you are an adult you can make the decision these kids don't have a say the kids yeah so that's the part i don't have any patience for so get a second opinion from an airway center dentist either one who has gone through airway health solutions or vivos before you have any of your kids teeth pulled for braces we should be trying Period. to do all ortho without pulling teeth. And IPR. And IPR. So um, if you want to send your, your hate mail We're saying um, it out loud. It to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Any hate mail, please don't find me. I will. Yeah. It won't make my day. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any final comments except for that. I think what you do is fantastic for our patients, for your patients, for the community. I think it'd be so cool if, if um, you know. I think generation generationally for your patients, this will have a lasting impact, not just on the ones Thank that you're you. treating now, but their kids too, because this is going to get passed on to them, this knowledge. So, all right, well, that's it. Join us for episode two. It's going to come out as soon as we record it and edit it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Bye guys. Bye.